Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Lightning are now just three wins away from back-to-back Stanley Cups. I'm Steve Versnick filling in for Rick Stroud, who's on vacation, although you're going to hear from him in a little bit. As we uh, taped some, before he left on vacation, taped some mailbag questions we had left over from uh, a week or so ago. So you'll hear uh, his answers, mostly Bucks questions in this regard today. But game one of the Stanley Cup was Monday night, and the Lightning came out and made a statement. They beat the Montreal Canadiens 5-1, to one, including getting a power play goal in the final few minutes, snapping Montreal's streak of, I believe it's 32 consecutive penalty kills. They've gone 13 games without giving up a power play goal, but Steven Stamkos hits one from his office to give him the fifth goal of the game and really put the game on ice. But what really impressed me about the first game in this series is just how committed Tampa Bay was to defense, just how committed they were to getting back. Uh, if, If you watched the game, you saw plays by Braden Point that led to goals by by him coming back and, and intercepting a pass. Passing it off to Chernak, who gives it to Palat, who then Chernak gets his first career playoff goal. Rushing up the ice, a beautiful tip off from Andre Palat. But that play was all made by Braden Point on the back check, getting back and, and stealing the pass and then turning it around. Uh, I thought Yanni Gord was flying all over the ice. I thought Mikhail Sergachev Played a tremendous game. He was all over the ice. Of course, Chernak, his first career NHL playoff goal. Uh, What can you say about Nikita Kucherov? Two goals, an assist. Now 30 goals in two two consecutive postseasons. Just incredible. Some of the... Not only does he have 30 goals in two consecutive postseasons, which isn't done very often. The most points over two postseasons, he's got 64 points over the last two postseasons. Do you realize the only two names in league history that have more points over two consecutive postseasons? Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. Wayne Gretzky's done it five times, including 82 points in the 84-85 season. And Mario Lemieux had 78-91-92. But Nikita Kucherov, an elite company in the postseason, he has been spectacular. Of course, he's not injured. We know that. Based on what Nikita Kucherov said on media day on Sunday before the Stanley Cup final. But Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point was all over the ice. Um, but what really impressed me the most, uh, Tyler Johnson had great shots, is Montreal's dangerous weapons. You know, we, We've talked all along how Montreal stays in their structure and a lot like the Islanders and they just don't have a lot of high-end scoring, kind of like the Islanders in that way. Uh, I think they play a little differently than the Islanders. But Cole Caulfield, who's a rookie, won the Hobie Baker Award at Wisconsin this year, uh, 
has been playing in the playoffs, been spectacular. He was very dangerous early in the game. Very dangerous. Had several looks on net, was flying up and down the ice. You barely heard from him the second half that game. Is They took, the lightning is, took the top line for, for Montreal and shut them down. Where They were almost invisible. You weren't hearing from them. Lightning were having a lot of zone time, uh, making good decisions with the puck. Those are all, all the things we talk about with the Lightning. When, they, when they're making passes tape to tape, when they're playing well with the puck, when they're making good decisions, it, it, it's hard for the other team to get the puck. And, and the Lightning just keeps that possession. And, you know, Cole Caulfield, who was, you know, very dangerous early in this game, kind of went silent for the second half of the game. And I think that's a, you know, part of what's weird this year in the playoffs is, one, now that you get to the final four teams, that you haven't played these teams this year. So Montreal and Tampa Bay never played this year. Yes, they're division foes. Yes, there's a lot of familiarity, particularly with Carey Price and that stuff. But Cole Caulfield's a player that the Lightning have never played against. And I know Brian Engblom talks about this a lot of times. In a playoff series, game one, there's a lot of feeling out and it's, you know, you can sit there and watch tape all you want, whether it was the Florida Panthers watching Nikita Kucherov tape, but then he comes back and, and the first game he destroys them on the power play. And, and you can watch the tape, but then you have to go out there and feel it. You have to feel what this player hits like, or what this player feels like skating by you or around you, or, you know, Cole Caulfield's a player that the lightning hadn't seen before. And, and you kind of have to get a little feel for it. And I think, that, I think they made some great adjustments throughout the game to where he went from dangerous shots to, to like I said, you, you almost were kind of like, you know, where was he on the ice? You, you kind of went, wait a minute, I haven't heard from him in a while. Um, that's kind of the way you, you felt about it. Um, but just a, a spectacular performance by the Lightning. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, like I said, uh Two goals and an assist. Braden Point, three assists. That's the first Lightning player ever to have three assists in a Stanley Cup final game. Uh, amazingly enough, this is the fourth Stanley Cup final for the Tampa Bay Lightning. In the previous three, they always lost game one. This is the first time the Tampa Bay Lightning have ever won game one of the Stanley Cup final. So just kind of a unique uh, stat. Now, the previous three times they've been there, they've raised the cup twice and lost once. They lost to Chicago in 15. Of course, they raised the cup last year in the bubble and then back in 2004. So, uh, you know, losing game one doesn't mean winning or losing the cup for them. But this is their fourth chance at going for the Stanley Cup. It's the first time that they have won game one. Game two will be Wednesday night in Amelie Arena. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky was good. Um, uh, He didn't have to... You just you never felt like he had a lot of dangerous chances. The one goal he gave up to Sharat uh, 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 was a double deflection. It went off two Lightning players, uh, off Sorelli and then uh, off McDonough's skate into the net. I mean, you know, Andre Vasquez has no shot at that. Sharat um, shoots it from the point, doubles off two different Lightning players and into the net. So. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky was good. I mean, going into this matchup, so much was made of Andre Vasilevsky versus Carey Price. I don't know how much of these goals you could put on Carey Price either. I mean, you know, let's see. The Chernak one was a beautiful tip over his shoulder. 
Uh, Yanni Gord. So Barclay Goodrow comes down, takes a shot. Uh, Sherratt blocks it. It goes straight to Coleman, who shoots it. Yanni, it goes off Yanni Gord into the net. Uh, Nikita Kucherov uh, p- takes the, the, the third goal, comes down. It went 2-1. to one, uh, Backhands it. Centers it off. And it goes off. It actually hits off twice of Sherratt. Uh, he kind of deflects it, then he tries to hit it with a stick off, off out of the air, and it goes into the net. Um, then Nikita Kucherov, the fourth goal, uh, that was just a great shot. Um, I, you know, he's he's cutting to the middle, shoots it backwards over Carey Price's shoulder, and then Stamkos on the power play. Maybe Carey Price should have gotten over a little quicker on there uh, to seal off that, that the net. But minute ten left, you're down four to one. That was more of a statement goal by the Lightning. I think it was, you know, hey, our power play is dangerous. Don't take don't take penalties. I mean, early in the game, there was a lot of hits in this game. Uh, it, with the first period, there was 45 hits between the teams. I believe Montreal had 26 hits and Tampa Bay had 19. Uh, I'm looking it up now. The game, 115 hits between the two teams. 58 for Montreal, 57 for the Lightning, including 11 by Blake Coleman. Uh, this was a very physical game. Um, some stuff after the whistles in that, but just a very physical game. You could see what Montreal wanted to try to do. It, it, it's put bodies on the lightning and, and trying to slow them up. Uh, not, you know, not let them skate freely. Um, like I said, this was a very physical game. You know, so much for feeling each other out in the first game. Um, I mean, I guess the feeling was hitting each other. Um, you know, like I said, 58 hits for Montreal, 57 for the Lightning. Uh, but overall, I, you know, I, I don't know if the Lightning played as well as they did in Game 7. That was about as well as you could play. Uh, but the solid first game for the Tampa Bay Lightning, a 5-1 win over Montreal. We've, uh, I saw the graphic on NHL Network. Carey Price, since the beginning of last season, the nineteen twenty season, the 2019-2020 season. Carey Price is 0-5 against the Lightning with a 3.88 goals against average and a save percentage around 85%, 84-6, I think it was. So uh, the Lightning, you know, I mean, that's one thing in this series is is both teams have a lot of experience against the other goalie. Um, the Lightning more so against Carey Price because of longer, but the Lightning group's been together a lot longer too. So they've seen Carey Price. They've had a lot of success against Carey Price. Um, over the last few seasons. But just a, a really solid effort all the way around for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are now three wins away from repeating as Stanley Cup champions. They take a one nothing lead. And here's, here's the part of, of this. And granted, just because things have happened in history doesn't mean it's going to happen going forward. But by winning game one, the Tampa Bay Lightning assure that if Montreal is going to win this series, they're going to have to win at least two games in a row somewhere. And we know the stat that the Lightning have not lost back-to-back games in the playoffs in the last two seasons. How well they come back from a loss, if, if they get a loss in the series. But when they, when they have play, losses in the playoffs, how well they do coming back, Montreal now is going to, at some point in the series, have to win back-to-back games to have a shot to, to, to win this series because now they've got to win four of the next six games. 
you know, I, I look, you know, they always say series don't start until someone loses on home ice. The Lightning held serve in game one, holding the home ice advantage. Now, you know, Montreal's whole goal, your first two games, is to split. So the mission's not over for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first two games at home. You, you definitely want to head to to Montreal this, you know, on Friday with a 2 nothing lead. You don't want to go down. You don't want to lose game two and be 1-1. Um, you want to have that two games to nothing lead heading into Montreal. So, uh, But a solid effort by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you, really nothing you can find fault with. Um, I just, I, you know, Nikita Kucherov continues to amaze. Even took some hits, possibly some dirty hits in, in the game that were really trying to attack him. Uh, but he seemed to be fine. Alex Kalorn, that is a, that is a worrisome thing that came out of this game. He So he blocks a shot in the second period. He tries to give it a go afterwards, but ends up not finishing the game. Um, Alex Kalorn such a key part of that, that line with Sorelli and Stamkos. Um, if he can't go, and, and we don't know. It kind of, the, the shot he blocked kind of went off his ankle or, or the skate, the side of the skate. You hope it's just bruised or or that. I mean, what you, what you hope is it's not broken. Um, no reason to think it is, but just, you know, when you see that type of injury, um, you know, that's the, that's the thing you don't want it to be. If it's just bruised and, you know, after the intermission, he just couldn't make it work because it started to swell up on him and that, you know, you hope that he'll be back for game two. Um, you know, that was the, the one concern as you're leaving game one is, you know, what will, what will his health be heading into game two on Wednesday? John Cooper, of course, no update after the game. On Monday night, as expected, when it comes to injuries, and most likely Tuesday, they'll say the same thing, no update. So uh, that's it for the Lightning. They're going to, like I said, game two is Wednesday in Montreal. The Rays, they're in the nation's capital for a two-game series against the Nationals starting tonight. So you've got a uh, 7 o'clock game tonight, 4 o'clock game on Wednesday. So uh, Wednesday's a perfect doubleheader. you got the 4 o'clock Rays game in the afternoon to watch, and then the Bolts take on Montreal at 8 o'clock for Game 2. Before we get to some mailbag questions with Rick Stroud, we're going to uh, do a mailbag later this week, uh, working out which day we're going to. But go ahead and get your questions in. Tom Jones is going to help us answer your mailbag questions later this week. So I don't know which day yet. We're still trying to figure out schedules and, and when we can get it done. But go ahead and get your questions in. You can uh, tweet us at SportsDayTV or at Steve Versnick. Uh, or you can uh, send an email in. Uh, Rick will be forwarding an email. So rstroud at tampabay.com. Again, that's rstroud at tampabay.com. So go ahead and send your uh, mailbag questions in for this week, and uh, Tom Jones will help answer them. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, so we'll start with Joe, who asked, Rick, I'm thinking about putting money on the Bucks to go 17-0 during the regular season at plus 5,000. Do you like their chances? Wow. Um, first of all, I'm not a gambling man, so I'm glad it's your money, not mine, because scared money never wins, and mine's frightened of doing anything uh, like that. But 
Uh, listen, there's only been one team in the history of football, okay, that made it through the entire uh, season. There's been a couple that made it through the regular season. The Patriots did it with Tom Brady. Well, he's asking so, to go 17-0 and during the regular season, not right. the Super so, Bowl. So. so Brady has done that. The Miami Dolphins have done that. No one else has done that. It is 17 games. It's not 16, so they're variable there. Um, for my way of thinking, just knowing the NFL, no, they're not going to go undefeated. I, I think there's... Listen, there's too many unknowns. I mean, first of all, the mistake that that people make and 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 teams themselves can make is thinking. And Brady has talked about this. You can't assume that because you won last year and everybody's coming back, that the year is going to go the same. Nothing is ever the same. First of all, it's not the same team. You did lose some players. Yeah, 22 starters are back, but you're adding some variables to it. But you don't know what the injuries are going to be. You don't know what opponent. You know all those teams you're playing got better in the off season. They all had drafts. They all had free agency. Um, you just don't know what you don't know. So it's it, if we could control everything and say they're not going to have a major injury. Brady's going to play all seventeen. Um, you know these other teams, uh, even though on paper they're a little better, they're not really going to be much better than they were a year ago. Uh, I mean, you know. There's, I mean, just look at the Bucks themselves. I mean, should they stay healthy? And we know there's going to be adversity is going to strike at some point. They should be better just because Brady's in the second year of the offense. He knows his players. He knows their body language. He knows all the nonverbal stuff. Like, you know, you would just say, well, if they won the Super Bowl going through COVID and, 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 and Brady not being to have training camp for preseason, just imagine that they're absolutely going to run the table. And I've heard this run the table talk. Uh, and it's great fodder for talk shows. You know, I've heard it now with Kansas City this year. I've heard it with the Bucks several times. My experience tells me no. There, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be a ball. You know, it's it's shaped in a funny way, so it bounces funny. Um, something's going to happen where they will lose a game or perhaps possibly several. I don't know how many, um, but I I just don't. I I think in today's NFL, especially with 17 games. It's virtually impossible to go seventeen and zero. Something will will happen um, that is going to cost you a game along the line somewhere. That being said, Joe, I'm happy to bet your money that the Bucks will go. 17-0. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tell you what, tell you what, Joe, send me the five thousand. What was it? Five thousand? Is that what it was? Plus five thousand. Yeah. Plus so. five thousand. Well, okay. So whatever money you were going to bet, send it to me, and I will <clears throat> place the bet for you. How you there? You go. <laughs> No, I can't do that. Folks, I'm not a bookie. I want to make sure that, you know, my employers and and uh the FBI are not listening. But uh but no, I listen. You know what? Um I I suppose you'd win a lot of money if they did it and so so would everyone else. Can you imagine? I mean No, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. He did it. He did it, you know, he went through the regular season and and got all the way to the Super Bowl and then they lost to the Giants, you know, that that year, but Man, that would be uh, that would be something. Forty-four years old. All right, cousin Eddie asked, "Any reason Harold Goodwin gets no mention with the possibility of being a head coach? It seems only Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich get talked about now. But Harold was on the interview circuit just a few years ago." Um, great question. I, you know what, Harold is is uh, one hell of a coach, and he is the assistant head coach, which is a a title that is. Um, you know, not not to be taken lightly. I mean, that is the guy that uh, you know, presumably Bruce Arians leans on. I know he leans on the two coordinators heavily as well, but um, he's been with Harold. Harold, uh, 
you know, was has been passed over at times for a coordinator's job. And, you know, he could have made him his coordinator here and chose to go with the guy that had never really called plays in, in Byron Lepwich. So, so Harold is the run game coordinator instead. Um, African-American absolutely should be interviewed, does a good job with the running game. Uh, I think there's a possibility because, again, they have the, one of the most diverse staffs in the NFL. Listen, if something were to happen and, say, Byron Lefwich got a job somewhere else, I don't know who the coordinator is at that point. Maybe it is Harold. You know, maybe it's Clyde Christensen. Um, you know, Bruce Arians has a plan for, for succession of all these coaches. And, you know, and he wants them to all become head coaches. And Harold's been with them a long time. So he absolutely, I know, would um, – would go to bat for him and, and, you know, give him a good review and all of that. Uh, but, you know, look, how about this? Byron Lefwich, who was a former NFL quarterback who's 40 and just was, you know, took over Tom Brady and, and won a Super Bowl with, with an offense that, you know, the guy came in and threw 40 touchdowns and 4,600-something yards. He didn't get an interview. Listen to me, not an interview. Nobody interviewed the guy. I mean, are you kidding me? And the NFL has a lousy track record for hiring minorities. I don't care what you say, um, but but Harold absolutely should be on that list. And I don't know that I don't know that he will be. Uh, I don't know any reason why he shouldn't. I think that what what you know first and foremost, uh, a lot of owners seem to want offensive play callers. So it's probably not helping him that he's not calling plays. He's done some of that before, but you know right now. Like I said, Bruce Arians chose Byron Lefwich. So that that may have something to do with it. Um, I don't think it should, but it might. And we'll see. You know, I think, look, the more you win, um, people start rating the winner's, you know, uh, coaching tree. They just do. And they should. And I absolutely believe Todd Bowles deserves and should get another chance and probably will. He had three interviews last year. And I think that the hot name, if if they do well on offense, is going to be Byron Leftwich. So maybe Harold Goodwin then becomes a play caller, and that helps him. Or maybe Harold gets interviews, you know, by himself. I don't know. Um, but I know this: he is not sitting here waiting for the phone to ring. Like he's been down this road. It's disappointing to him, and um, you know he pours his heart into what he does. He loves what he does, and if it happens, it happens. But um, I know that he's not, you know, overly focused on it. All right, Steve had a question about Bucks season tickets this year, or actually tickets attending a game. It says, regarding the part about the need for face coverings if you're not vaccinated, is this all going to be based on the honor system, kind of like those pregame COVID surveys were last year? And if not, how might it be regulated? I know the Bucks are a private business, but I'm not sure about the rules that govern this kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot we're going to learn about sort of what the protocols will be when you're going to have a full stadium and, you know, you have vaccinated and unvaccinated fans. So, look, they're, they're sort of following what they say, you know, federal, state, and local government and what the protocols are. And, you know, most municipalities and, and places would tell you uh, if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask. If you're not vaccinated, it's a really good idea to wear a mask. I don't think in the state of Florida with Ron DeSantis as a governor uh, that anyone is really enforcing um, the masks except on, you know, things like federal stuff like, like transportation, airplanes, that sort of thing, um, where it's absolutely required. So they haven't said 
how they're going to do this. We know that, you know, for example, Florida is not going to allow, you know, some kind of passport, vaccination passport or card or whatever. Um, that's not going to happen. I do think ultimately it's going to be on the honor system. I don't see how, I don't see how else you do it. I think people are aware now that COVID is out there. They've seen how many people have died from this disease. They've had plenty of ample opportunity to get a vaccination if that's what they want. Um, we know as we do this podcast that, you know, anyone below the age of 12 isn't eligible for, for a, a vaccine. So it's probably a good idea for those folks to wear a mask, uh, regardless of, uh, uh, of what you think of them. But, uh, again, I, I don't see how this is just me talking and I don't have anything, you know, from the bucks on this. I simply don't see how they're going to be, be mask police. I, I don't. I don't see how you get 65,000 people in there, many of whom are going to take it off anyway and scream their lungs out and say, I'm sorry, sir, you're not vaccinated, you have to leave, or you're not vaccinated, you can't come in because you don't have a mask. They're just, they're just not going to do that because I don't think they can. I think, I, think the, I think Steve is right. I don't know that there's a mechanism for that just yet. So, again, you're at your own risk just like you would be if you went to a concert or if you went to, to any event where – some people are vaccinated and some are not. And I think it's not going to be any different with the Bucks. All right, we'll end on this one. And Matt had uh, tweeted us about a week ago. How do you think Urban Meyer will do as an NFL coach? Could he turn around Jacksonville the way Tony Dungy turned around the Bucks? Not only in terms of wins, but in making the franchise relevant to the city. Oh, it's relevant. Um, it's relevant right now because of Urban Meyer. And it's relevant because they have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. And that's the best thing I can say about that franchise. Um Listen, Urban, Urban, first of all, is, is a really good coach, and I think he'll be a, co- a good coach at all levels. I do think there's some things, though, about the NFL game. What would, what would concern me about Urban Meyer is that on a couple occasions he has walked away from football, presumably because the stress got to him. And this is a guy that has lost about three games in five years. So he may lose more games in the first month of the season than he's lost in the last several seasons. And, you know, how he handles that, um, you know, it, it's, it's, there are no, you know, there's no compass schools on the roster. There's no east, southern, you know, northern Mississippis. I mean, you, you, you know, you're going to play NFL teams every single week and they're coming after you. And they have no – qualms with the fact that you have a rookie quarterback or a bunch of young players or it's your first season or maybe the guys don't know the playbook or maybe your staff is new nobody cares okay it's going to be bumpy in Jacksonville but what Urban Meyer is is a winner and he knows what it looks like um and I I don't I think football is football but the biggest thing he has going for him is a guy the guy under center I mean that dude you know could be anything from the second coming of John Elway to who knows what, right? But he's he's a hell of a he's a hell of a player with a great arm. He's done it at the highest level. Um, it, it's not simply about you know who wins the film contest from college. No one cares again that that he won national championships. Jameis Winston did that. How did it work out with the Bucks? So there's there's a big learning curve here. But as far as culture goes. I think that's why Tim Tebow's in the building, you know, and a lot of people are, are rolling their eyes about that. And, you know, how could you, you know, those are some of the trap doors I think Urban needs to learn how to navigate because, you know, at this level, it, it you know, it, I, of course you want guys that are familiar with your system to set the tone and all of that. 
but the best players play. I mean, this is a man's league. It's it's a business. You can't give jobs to people that don't earn them. And I'm not saying Tim Tebow hasn't earned them, but there are no gimmicks here. Like it, it's 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 bottom line. And I think Urban will get there, but I do think there's a learning curve um, for any college coach. And he's just you know he knows what it looks like, and I think he'll get there. My question is, how does he handle losing? You know, what does that do to him? You know, can can he navigate that and stick to a process and get them on the right track um, before he just decides this is not fun? And you know, losing is not fun. I mean, it's it, and it's a lot of games, man. You're playing 17 in 18 weeks. You know, it, it is an absolute grind. And you know, I just think that um, it's going to be tough for him in the early going, but. Um, I think he will if he sticks with it more than say let's say he sticks with it three to four years. I think he absolutely will turn him around. All right, that'll wrap it up for today's podcast. As it's another late night after the Lightning game, uh, Rick Stroud on vacation. He'll be back next week, but hope you enjoyed hearing him uh, on some of those mailbag questions that we taped that we had left over from uh, the, before he left on vacation. So uh, t- tonight again, the Rays they've got a game against the Nationals. At 7 o'clock, and then uh, Lightning uh, will game three will be Wednesday night uh, in Amelie Arena. So for Rick Stroud, I'm Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.